you know, it'd be embarrassing to get out of an upside down Super Cub with the bent up prop and, you know, scuff on my helmet, but it'd be better than, than not getting out of it and having them have to pull me out and then waking up three months later with a brain injury. Welcome to Flying BC, a podcast about the people, planes, and aviation adventures in British Columbia and Canada, with your host, Warwick Patterson. If you're a fan of Flight Chops on YouTube, you might have recently seen an episode discussing helmets and his first flight in the Harvard wearing one. On this episode of Flying BC, I catch up with Steve for a follow-up now that he's flown with it a few times. And I also bring Kevin Mayer and Ryan Van Heron on board to expand on the idea of whether we should be wearing helmets while flying. Even if you don't think you'll ever wear one, this episode has some great discussion about safety in general that is worth a listen. And this is just the start of a discussion. I'd love to get your feedback on the topic. You can message me through Instagram or Facebook at Flying British Columbia, or better yet, share the podcast with your comments on social media. So first up is Steve Thorne from Flight Chops. Okay, so Steve, you recently had an episode of your show with uh, Jeremy from Tac Aero, and they sent you a helmet, and you guys had a bit of a discussion about uh, helmet usage and things like that. So can you set up this story for me? Yeah, I mean, basically, Jeremy uh, found himself in a situation where just on a flight that did not involve what you would expect, where a helmet would be needed, which is, and I guess to diffuse the idea, like some people say, what's a helmet going to do when you crash an airplane? It's like, it's not going to save you from a stall spin at 500 feet. But what it will save you from is a ground loop where you end up flipping over. I mean, and something like that can even happen in a, in a 172, theoretically. So, I mean, it's not like it's only a tailwheel thing. But anyway, his accident happened flying through clear air. I mean, I can leave it there. He can, he can fill the context in. But, I mean, it, just to say that could have happened to anybody in any kind of airplane on any kind of flight. Okay, cool. So, I'll play that story and then we'll come back to you for some follow-up. I'm Jeremy Young with TAC Aero and we specialize in advanced flight training and special edition stuff for the aircraft for the backcountry, including a flight helmet that we developed with Bonehead. And uh, we, uh, we feel it's the best of, best of what's out there and we're big on promoting safety and making sure that guys are uh, doing everything they can to protect themselves in the backcountry. I guess give me your like casual version of the letter that you included in the helmet box. Cause I felt like that was such a great sort of, you're not selling, you're, you're truly authentically selling the concept of wearing helmets. You know, you're not trying to sell your particular helmet. You're just saying wear a helmet. Right. Yeah. That That's the big thing is just that is we don't care what brand you wear or what kind it could, it could be a motorcycle helmet. Like we were talking about before that you've adapted with clarity aloft or something like that, that you can put in and wear, and everybody's budget's different. Some people um, are looking for something just for protection. And there's a lot of great options out there. Sky Cowboys all the way to like, you know, just a, a Peltor helmet with whatever. There's lots of options out there that people can do and use for some sort of protection. And that's what we're really promoting is, is safety in the backcountry, safety and flying in general. And, and really thinking about if you, if you knock your head, and you knock yourself out, that's all there is, right? So how do you protect that and how do you mitigate risk? And a helmet's a great way to do that. Yeah, so I guess tell me real quick the story of just turbulence. Like was it in that airplane or an airplane like that where the crossbar 
No, I was in an X cub. Um, yeah. I was, uh, coming back from California and the fires were really bad. So the smoke was nasty and I just started wearing a helmet and, uh, was talking to Redding and uh, decided to go south side of Mount Shasta to kind of go around the smoke. And there was an opening there and I was just excited to get to an opening of clean air, not even thinking about what was going on to create that clean air. So I got into that clean air and immediately hit some pretty nasty rotors coming off of Shasta and it threw my head up into the bar, up into the, um, there's a headset hook holder they have on the X cub of like where the cross beams are at and the helmet actually punctured that hook and, wow. um, and it stretched me all out and I had my seatbelt on pretty tight, but I got hit pretty hard and it put me inverted and then I pulled out and, uh, about 600, 700 feet, uh, and then got hit again. And, uh, I got pretty close to the ground at that point. And then was dealing with DA and dealing with graying out and my head was ringing and my back was just killing me. And that's with the helmet on. Was it? I thought we were going in. And, uh, if I wouldn't have had my helmet on, I know, cause we had a, I mean, that hook went through the helmet. If I wouldn't have had the helmet on, I would have punched my ticket that day. So after that, I became a firm believer in the helmet and it kind of did a number on that X cub, that turbulence too. It, um, really put it through its paces and the airplane held up great, but it, it took a beating to blew out the top wind, like the, the skylight got blown out of the top of it, flew back home, ended up rupturing two discs and it was a big mess. But if I wouldn't have had a helmet on, I know I wouldn't have come back to my family that day. So, uh, after that, I kind of made it mandatory for all of our guys within the company to start wearing helmets when they're doing all their flight training and when we're doing any of our off airport stuff. And I've been just a big promoter of it ever since. Okay, so we just heard Jeremy's story, and you've now had a chance to wear your helmet a few times. Um, why did you want to start wearing a helmet, and what was um, what was your experience like on the first couple flights? Well, I mean, to start, I guess the context of, of flying the Harvard is the airplane I kind of specifically was inspired to get the helmet for. It's a warbird. It's it's fairly it's big, but it's also fairly tight cockpit. Like it is quite easy to hit your head on the canopy, or you know, especially on the panel and so on. If you were to have any kind of a issue on the ground, so there's no question that flying that airplane, just slapping on my A20s and opening the canopy and feeling the wind through my hair, was friggin' awesome. Like I mean, it's a rush, right? I mean, I would I equate it to riding a motorcycle on the highway. I imagine that's a rush to not wear a helmet while doing that. I've never done that because that's crazy. It, I mean, there's some states that do, but uh, to, in my life growing up, the idea of not wearing a helmet on a motorcycle on the highway was just absolutely bananas. Now, why, <clears throat> why are we okay doing that in a giant hunk of metal that's not at all designed, like there's no airbags or anything soft in those cockpits. I mean, they did not design it to really deal with any type of safety issues beyond being strapped in and hope for the best. So, uh, I just felt like I owed it to my family. The, the fact is like, I, you know, we're trained fairly well and we try real hard to mitigate risk and so on, but ground looping is, is a very real possibility in, in an airplane like that. And it's also a very real possibility that you'll end up upside down if you do ground loop it, or you'll end up with a very uh, abrupt side load, uh, deceleration, which would put your head into the canopy for sure. You know, the wing, what will typically happen is it'll swerve sideways, the gear will collapse, the wing will hit the ground, you'll very abruptly slide, side load, um, which then typically ends up flipping over. 
nose first if you can picture it that's typically how it goes <clears throat> um, so you're gonna hit your head and that's 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 a takeoff or a landing mishap and that's that's typically what will happen it's not a stall spin crash from 500 feet where yes there's zero chance of <laughs> the helmet isn't gonna survive like help you there but or maybe it will I don't know so anyway I mean the bottom line is it makes you feel safer because it is safer my thoughts were I'm gonna miss that feeling of the wind rushing through my hair with the canopy open and on some level I do it, it, I mean it's been the summer that I've been able to do it so I did have the canopy open with the helmet um, <clears throat> having said that though uh, it was kind of amazing how invisible the helmet was both uh, it's so light I mean at this point the technology is so good they don't weigh anything and when you get it fitted properly which is very important and that's that's what the episode I did with Jeremy really focused on was he helped me really go through and figure out how to fit it so it's very, you know, there's in these particular ones that they have, the pads are very modular and adjustable in a really custom way. Like you can make it asymmetrical if you need to or whatever has to happen to get rid of hot spots, they call them. So once you have the helmet fitted right, it's not heavy. And the other thing I was wondering is visibility wise, am I going to feel claustrophobic like this thing is all around me? But it's actually better than glasses because there's no frame on the visor and the visor goes all the way down to like your cheekbone. And your temples so there's zero frame of glasses so I would argue that I see more than I do with sunglasses um, <clears throat> the one downside which Jeremy did tell me about and I, I have it in the interview briefing but I didn't really all of that information hadn't assimilated when I was flying which led to an incident which I'm gonna debrief in another episode but basically <laughs> because the visor is a little bit further away from your eyes than sunglasses are any glare or uh, reflections or, or things like that will kind of magnify if you can if you know what I mean like being a camera guy you probably understand with a filter closer or farther from a lens if there's a lens flare on a filter it'll be bigger if it's farther away from the lens surface so his advice is for takeoff to have the visor up so that if especially if you're looking down on the cockpit and you're trying to do anything and it's a bright sunny day you're looking down into a dark cockpit you can see what you see da, 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 and then kind of once you're going visor down so I, I was just visor down the whole time. It was a sunny day, whatever, and it was mostly fine. But it did. It was a contributing factor in me missing something on a pre-takeoff check because I was kind of being rushed a little bit. On the one time, the tower asked me if I was ready before I was turned around. So I was like, oh boy, there must be something on final. So I was just getting rushed a little bit. Missed one thing, and a contributing factor was that the visor was making it difficult to see into the cockpit. But that's no excuse for missing it. I looked for it and I said it out loud that it was what it should be. It wasn't, didn't, it wasn't a huge, huge issue, but it's, it's going to be an episode worthy of a debrief because that was a contributing factor to expectation bias. When you expect something to be in a certain configuration, you check for it, you say it out loud, you maybe touch it, but it's not. But because you expect it, you just don't look hard enough at it or whatever. And because I legitimately couldn't even see it that well because of the glare, uh, so that was an interesting downside, but it's also something that Jeremy kind of teaches as a as an SOP to to visor up for takeoff. I think that that was also a safety item too, wasn't it? It's uh, like if you get in an accident, you don't really want all that plastic visor in front of your face. Yeah, that was he was saying they're not necessarily certified for uh, shatter resistance or whatever. So and also if they have to get the helmet off you if you're like unconscious, having the visor down just makes that a little bit harder for the rescue people. So. Right, so his, his advice also is on final visor up. 
So I'm going to give that a shot. That's a little bit challenging if you're used to just always having sunglasses that are the same level of diffused light and it's a bright sunny day. I don't know how much I'm going to love that because my eyes are fairly sensitive. So <clears throat> um, I might need to work around how I deal with that. But uh, I need to still work through my personal SOPs for the, uh, the helmet. But bottom line, it was transparent weight-wise, transparent visibility-wise, and uh, obviously safer. And it even probably improved the A&R from the headset a little bit because one of the problems is the airplane is so loud, especially at takeoff power. And also if you have the canopy open, the wind kind of screws up A&R mics because it kind of, you know, does that. Yeah. yeah, it just does that thing that happens to any mic when wind hits it. And then it tries to noise cancel that, which is not the correct thing to noise cancel. And then it creates all this weird distortion. So having the A&R mics kind of buried inside the helmet mitigates the wind issues and does kind of dampen some of the outer noise a little bit so it did improve its uh, function in that regard as well cool so you've flown with it in a warbird do you foresee yourself wearing it in other planes and coming up we've got a discussion with ryan and mm -hmm. kevin about this is used to be a weird thing to do for skiing now it's normal like do you feel like helmet usage is going to become more normal yeah, like I grew up in the days of skiing without a helmet, and I think I was even a, I, I did ski racing in high school, and I, I, I don't recall helmets being a thing even with a school-sanctioned racing program. <laughs> I have no memory of wearing a helmet for any of that. So, yeah, it, it, helmet culture is definitely changing. And, I mean, I, I rode bikes as a teenager without helmets. It just wasn't a thing until, you know, I mean, I guess I'm not that old, but I was a teenager in the 80s and kind of into university and so on in the 90s. And then that was when it was a switch. Like, that's when I started caring about my brain. I definitely remember thinking in university, like I was commuting and stuff in the 90s with a bike. I would not not wear a helmet then. I don't know what why that wasn't a thing before that. But yeah, so no pun intended, but like it's a no-brainer to wear a helmet if you're going to be doing stole flying where you are basically asking for a balled-up airplane crash, which will be embarrassing and expensive and probably not hurt you i mean i i don't want to be too direct about that statement but i mean the fact is those guys are flying low and slow quite literally side slipping with full deflection as they are i guess forward slipping as they f do that thing so the odds of them flipping over when they hit the brakes real hard and do their stole thing are very high it happens all the time and and those guys it's almost like a rite of passage that they've prop struck or they've put their airplanes on the nose so those guys are, I mean, it just absolutely makes sense that they're wearing helmets for that stuff. So, uh, you know, tailwheel flying. So, so I guess the answer that I've been giving people that are in the comments of that video, like, you're going to wear a helmet when you go for a $100 hamburger and you're 172? And it's like, okay, so let's, let's, let's assess it if that's what we're going to talk about. If you're going to launch on a beautiful VFR day in a 172 from a concrete runway at one end to a concrete runway at the other end, how probable is it that you're going to end up on the back, like flipped over in that airplane? It's probably not very probable. But if you're going to launch even in a 172 or something like that and head out to a grass strip, you're not super experienced with soft field landing and something like that. And maybe you do assess it and you think it's good, but it isn't. And your nose wheel digs in and you flip over that day going for that $100 hamburger at a, at a barbecue where it's not a hundred dollar hamburger it's just someone doing a barbecue at a farm and you decide to fly in because it's a beautiful day and the field is actually a little softer than you thought maybe that is a day to wear a helmet in a 172 so you know it's it's obviously there's gray areas it's not black and white um 
what I feel like a bit of a doofus climbing out of a 172 at the FBO with a helmet on. <laughs> yeah, probably. But I mean, you know, I, I think it just comes down to what kind of flying are you doing? What kind of airplane are you flying? And you got to make your own decision. But for me, it just really, there's no way now that I can ever fly the Harvard and not wear the helmet because if for whatever reason some stupid little mishap happens and I end up with a brain injury and the helmet is sitting there in my locker, I'm, I'm an idiot. Like, I mean, that is just not okay. And then, like, my family has to deal with that or whatever. So, you know, I'm the helmet guy with the Warbird stuff, and I think I'll probably wear it in Super Cubs or anything else, like, tailwheel-wise, because, I mean, if I'm intending to go do some short field stuff or whatever, and I am pushing the limits of... I'm, I, I don't have tons of experience with stopping with the tail up and all that stuff those guys do. So, um, you know, it'd be embarrassing to get out of an upside-down Super Cub with the bent-up prop and you know, with a scuff on my helmet, but it'd be better than, than not getting out of it and having them having to pull me out and then waking up three months later with a brain injury. Perfect. Well, that's a perfect segue to talking with Ryan and Kevin. So I'm going to jump to Kevin next. Kevin Mayer is a senior airline captain, but started his career as an ag pilot where he first wore a helmet. He now straps one on when he's performing aerobatics in the Harvard or Stearman. He's got a great perspective on safety and the systems we put in place. So I gave him a call to get his take. My very first flying job, I had to wear a helmet. So I start off with the helmet is a continuum of protective equipment in an airplane. And that really starts out with, you know, the low-hanging fruit is don't wear nylon or polyester clothing. Don't wear shorts and a t-shirt. Be covered up in case of a fire. Those sort of things. And it sort of moves up to, you know, maybe you should think about wearing gloves and if you're just going to fly a 172 from Boundary Bay to Chilliwack for a piece of pie, um, there's probably not a cost-effective benefit to a helmet because the helmet is, you know, for impacting terra firma. And uh, statistically, the chances of, of encountering that in a, in, a, in a normal light airplane just flying around are pretty slim. Um, and there are some downsides to wearing helmets, which I'll get to. But, you know, as Steve Flightchops, you know, pointed out, as soon as you start doing the edgier stuff, the, the statistics for meeting the ground get uh, uh, more significant. Um, that's why the crop dusters, the pipeline patrol pilots, the air tanker pilots are all wearing helmets, helicopter pilots. Um, but... You know, as we were talking about, once you start flying in the backcountry or at lower altitudes, lower speeds, um, you know, in some unpredictable winds, it's it's a little bit edgier, and and periodically backcountry airplanes, you know, do come to grief, and and then they have to land, and you know, on an unprepared strip, and you have the risk of turning the airplane over. So, I think you know, anytime you're I think helmets make a lot of sense in backcountry flying, just like they do in formation flying and, and aerobatic flying where, you know, the issue is you might be parachuting out of it. So um, I, I, I tend to agree. I think it's a, I, I'm glad to see the general aviation people starting to think about this. Um, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on the, on the sort of whys. 
Yeah, and I think it depends a lot on what plane you're flying to. Like, I remember the first time I flew the Chipmunk, uh, I climbed in. I'm like, wow, that dashboard's really close to my face. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I I think if I flew something like that regularly, I'd want a helmet. Exactly. And, and, you know, that leads into if we're talking about crash survivability and is a helmet worthwhile, you make a decision on crash survivability when when you decide what airplane you're going to fly. You know, there's a, you know, you're, the, the, the Super Cubs and the 172s are fairly rugged airplanes and they fly, they can fly quite slowly. So they're, they tend to have fairly survivable accidents. Um, once you get into the Bonanzas and Moonies, they're a little faster, a little less so. And then when you move into a Lancer or a Glacier, the very advanced home builds, they basically have almost no survivable force landing. So, the airplane is a big part of it, and, and, and in that continuum that I was mentioning of, you know, clothing and such, the next step becomes seat belts, shoulder harnesses, energy-absorbing seat cushions, and removing protrusions from the cockpit as much as you can. Uh, some of the iPad mounts I've seen are fearful. They're right where your face is going to land with that little, little ball sticking out. Yeah. Um, um, so, so yeah, the helmet is part of the survivability discussion is, I guess, the point I'm trying to make and, uh, and definitely banging your head off the canopy. I've got a pretty good gouge in my, uh, helmet from the, the canopy latch on an ag plane in, in really bad turbulence. Yeah. And you, you had a good point when we were talking about, uh, the type of plug that's on the helmet. Yeah, this is very, very important. And I, if anyone's considering buying a helmet, um, the, the, you know, I can talk about the different types of helmets, but no matter what type you buy, the two-prong general aviation plug that plugs your headset in, it's not an issue because if you've got to get out of the airplane, either jump out the door in a hurry because it's on fire or upside down in water, or if you need to uh, parachute out of it, if you forget to un- take your headset off, it doesn't matter. The, it's going to get ripped off your head fairly easily. The helmet's a different thing. It's, it's on your head well. It's designed not to come off your head. And if you pull sideways on a set of GA plugs in the, in the dash panel, they're really strong. They're incredibly strong. And you're going to have to probably break the wires in the headset or something, and you know you could seriously injure your neck. So... You need to get a helmet with what they're called helicopter plugs. They're a single plug that has both the headset and the mic uh, connections in it. And as soon as there's any tension in it, of course, the plug just unplugs. And you can either order a helmet specifying the helicopter plug, and then there's an adapter that splits it into to two to join up with the airplane. Or you can actually buy two adapters that take it from two plug to one plug and back to two. But either way, there needs to be a single pull plug in that, in that cord. Um, man, if you try to parachute out of an airplane, you could really hang yourself attached to a, a helmet. Yeah. And uh, going back, to you talked about clothing a little bit, and I know you're a big proponent of wearing gloves in a plane. Yeah. Um, there's a very unfortunate thing, and... I first ran into it when a friend crashed an ag plane and he watched the airplane explode in slow motion. He watched the wall of flame travel 
towards him in the cockpit, which is fairly far back, and he watched the plastic pen in his coveralls melt, the big pen. He actually watched it melt. But he made a comment. His hands were very badly burned. And I've heard this comment over and over and over again. If you're in an airplane, that is a, if you're unfortunate enough to be in an airplane on fire, everything you have to touch to get out of the airplane is going to be red hot. The seatbelt buckle, the door handle, a grab handle, everything you have to touch is red hot. And uh, that's why the gloves are so important. And you're going to get out anyway. It'll save you burns to your hands. But to be honest, you'll probably get out faster. And that'll save you burns to everywhere else. So uh, gloves are definitely... Where I learned to fly at Skyway Air Services in the early 80s, um, gloves were encouraged... We were not allowed to wear nylon clothing, and we were not allowed to fly in shorts and a T-shirt. And that was that was a civilian flying school, but it was owned by a bunch of old World War II guys. <laughs> Lesson learned. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think the helmet is a good discussion, but it's a part of a, a whole system of safety, like yeah. you said. The, the harness, the harness to prevent your head from hitting the dash in the first place. Good yeah. clothing uh, yeah. and a helmet. And get rid of the pointy things and the loose things in the cockpit. Yeah. Cool. And, and uh, sorry, go on. Well, is there anything else you want to say about helmets? So I've got two other comments. One is um, helmets are a bit like parachutes. Uh, often people will buy a helmet that is quite well fitted to them. Uh, I have a Gentex helmet. It's the same helmet the F-18 pilots used to be issued. It's a $3,000 helmet, and they mold the helmet to your head. They make a wax mold of your head when you order the helmet. So I don't lend that helmet to anyone. It doesn't fit anyone. But when you're flying a two-seat airplane, you're in the back country, it's really weird if you put a helmet on and you give your passenger a headset and, or, you know, you're taking someone for a ride in a, in a warbird and you put a parachute on and you don't give your passenger one. So you need to think, first off, what kind of helmet are you going to buy? You can buy a $500 David Clark uh fits just about every one helmet that accepts their headsets all the way up to the $3,000 Gentex, you know, professional pilot helmet that, that I bought so many years ago. And there's some stuff in the mid-range, but I would encourage people that if you're going to get a helmet for yourself, think hard about getting one for your passenger, but realize that if yours is a custom order helmet, you're going to need a much more generic one for a passenger. And, uh, and yeah, and the other thing I'd say is, you know, there's a whole range of helmets out there from, as I said, the, the David Clark that basically works with their headsets uh, through the Bone Domes and a few of the other ones that are fairly new on the on the market. I haven't really seen them, but I've heard good things about them. And then, you know, the professional ag pilots and tanker pilots and are wearing the helmet the military jet pilots have, and that's the Gentex and so there's a whole range, and but they all provide protection. They're all they're all going to stop that that head injury. Yeah, awesome. Well, we'll continue the discussion. I've got uh, Steve was on, and I'm going to talk to Ryan as well. So it's going to be a good discussion. Yeah, so I, I'm sorry I can't contribute much more than that. But uh, like I uh, say, you know, the helmet comes with a lot of other things to think about. But I definitely encourage people that are doing the more interesting flying where you're closer to the cold, hard ground or you're in a situation where you may have to parachute out of the airplane, 
you know, that's another thing. You can bang your head parachuting out of an airplane, especially if you bounce off the tail, and you may hit the ground pretty hard at the bottom of the parachute. So if you're wearing a parachute, you should probably be wearing a helmet. If you're in the backcountry, a helmet's an awesome idea. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very impressed that GA pilots are starting to uh, have an awareness of that, and I'm hoping that the stigma attached to wearing a helmet um, will will start to diminish. I, I think one of the reasons we are reluctant to wear helmets is we're reluctant to acknowledge that some of the flying we do is risky enough that a helmet might be warranted. As always, some great insight from Kevin. My next guest is Ryan Van Heron of Cardinal Aviation. He's another big proponent of safety and leads by example. He's a commercial pilot turned ATC, and if he's not presenting some learning opportunity through the BCGA channels or acting as airboss at events like High Sierra, he's often playing on the sandbars in his bearhawk. I know he recently picked up a helmet of his own, so I wanted him to chime in. I know you recently got a helmet last year, so I'm interested in hearing from you sort of your decision process in doing that, um, what drove you to get a helmet, when you use a helmet, how do you decide when you're going flying whether to use it or not, that sort of thing. You know what, I'm, I'm still really trying to figure out the answers to all that stuff myself, to be honest. Um, it, uh, I think like in flying, like in my, in my work life and in my flying life, um, I mean, everything we do is, is kind of risk mitigation and, uh, we, we can never eliminate all risk, but we can do certain things to try and reduce it. Uh, so after getting into the backcountry flying and the off airport stuff, um, it just really seemed like a no brainer. I mean, it's cheap insurance policy on, on my freaking noggin. Um, it's never something I'd really thought about for GA flying. I mean, it's something you see in the movies for fighter pilots and, uh, and you know, crop dust guys. I mean, the helicopter guys have worn them for ages. I mean, why haven't we gotten on board? And you know what I think, I think the moment where I decided now that, now that we're talking, the moment where I decided to get it was on May 5th last year. That's the exact date. Cause it was my wife's birthday. And, uh, at the BC aviation council, uh, awards night, uh, there was a silent auction item and it was a helicopter tour and I had won it in the silent auction. And so for her birthday, we went and did an awesome helicopter tour with sky helicopters landed on like a mountaintop. Like it was awesome. And, uh, this is going to sound really stupid, but, um, the pilot, Alec, he was, he had like a sick helmet. It was like gray. He had like his stickers on it. And I'm like, thinking, I'm like, I've been thinking about this for a while. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do it. And I just, I was sitting there in the back of this helicopter, lying on top of a mountain. I'm like, this guy's wearing a helmet and he's probably done it his entire career because that is what helicopter guys do. Why can't we do the same thing? Why aren't we doing the same thing? So I think that's, that's kind of what, what led to the actual purchase. And then I did a bunch of research as to which one to buy. Um, I mean, it really depends on the budget and what you want to do. So I landed on the one that I did. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I'd like to say I should use it more than I have been, but it's this whole argument of, you know, when, when should you use it? Right. Like when you're walking to your plane to go fly, like, how do you decide, oh, this isn't a flight that needs a helmet. This is a flight. Like, do you, do you sort of, if you're going off airport, do you wear it now? Yes. Um, I mean, for a while, like it, it's in like kind of a drawstring bag and it was hanging on the hanger wall next to the headsets. 
And then I realized, okay, well, I go flying and it's still hanging on the wall next to the headset. So now what I've done is it doesn't live in the wall in the drawstring bag. It actually lives on the pilot seat of the airplane. Right. So if I'm not flying, it, it is on the seat. So if, if, if I'm going to get in the airplane, I have to make a conscious decision to pick up the helmet and move it out of the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not, it, it's, it, it it's, your de- it's your default now. You have to opt yeah, out of the default. Totally. And so, you know, if you look at my airplane now, my helmet sits on the pilot seat and my, uh, my personal flotation device is always hung on the back of the pilot seat and the passenger seat. So every time I get in the airplane, a conscious decision has to be made. Am I wearing a helmet and am I wearing a PFD today? Now it's such a weird paradoxical argument because why should we just wear a helmet when we go off airport flying? I mean, I could have an engine failure just as easily on any, if I'm going like sightseeing over the city and I take off from two, six, you know, right in pit meadows, I could just as easily have an engine failure right there. It's not just about hitting an obstacle, landing on a gravel bar and flipping over. Mm-hmm. So why, why do we wear it sometimes? And why do we not wear it sometimes? I mean, that's a great question. Yeah. Something I, I talked with Kevin about, which was good was, um, he mentioned, uh, I think we we're reluctant to wear helmets because it kind of acknowledges that what we do is a little bit risky. I don't know where where I'm going with that, but, um, (laughs) no, you know what I think. And, and, you know, as pilots, we, we like to pride ourselves in being safe. We like to pride ourselves in managing risk and, and, and being smart. Um, and we're always asked by people that don't fly, like, Oh, isn't this dangerous? We're like, no, like, what do we always say? It's, uh, you're more likely to, to die driving to the grocery store than you are flying in an airplane. And, and that's true. Um, so yeah, Kevin's right. When we put on a helmet, we are acknowledging to ourselves that there is risk involved. Just like when we get in a, I mean, how, for how long did people drive cars without seatbelts? Yeah. I mean, you and I were taken home from the hospital in a plastic bucket that was just basically sat on the back seat. That's how we got home. Mm-hmm. And now when I brought both of my kids home, we had to like bring the car seat up to the, up to the ward and the, the nurses had to inspect it. And then they had to like, make sure that the kid is like properly buckled. And then they come down to the car and make sure that it's secure. Like we learn from our mistakes and, yeah. and, and it's an acknowledgement of risk. But I mean, in, in social media and in the online world now where things are so much more visible, I mean, some people that are, how would you like role models, I guess you'd say, you know, um, that people look up to that are, are, you know, air quotes, you know, the cool guys, they're starting to wear helmets. So now it's becoming all of a sudden, you know, an in more acceptable thing that you're not going to be judged on because, you know, so-and-so does it on YouTube. So, so I guess it's, I guess it's kind of cool. And I think like people like Steve now doing a video about, um, wearing a helmet, it gets people thinking about it. It's still going to feel really goofy if you step out of a 172 wearing a helmet, but I guess it depends what you're doing in the 172. Totally. I mean, it, it, it sends a couple different messages. I mean, per, first of all, I think, I think, uh, Jeremy at tech arrow sending, sending Steve, a, a you know, a Harvard yellow helmet with all the work Steve does is probably their like marketing idea of the year. Like <laughs> good job, yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. Um, and I say that cause Jeremy, I mean, he's super generous guy. I've stayed in his hangar, hangar loft on my way to high Sierra. Like they're a great crew at Takaro. So, so smart marketing there. Good job guys. Um, but we could flip it the other way. Putting on a helmet is an acknowledgement that what we do has, has some inherent risk. But if enough people do it 
And if you can get over the, well, maybe think people think I'm silly factor. Maybe it sends another message. You know, you get out of your 172 wearing a helmet and somebody goes, either this guy's terrified of his own lack of ability or he's super conscientious and he just, here's a guy who doesn't take risks because he's willing to do something that makes things safer. Um, and I think we just need to do a flip in the mindset of that and say, Hey, you know what? That's a really good idea. But like everything in aviation, it becomes, you know, the investment in the helmet and, and, you know, what are my passengers going to say if we go for a sightseeing flight and I'm putting four people in the airplane and I'm the only one wearing a helmet? I still don't have an answer for that. Yeah. And do you fly differently if you're with passengers without helmet and, or, and the other, like, would people start flying differently if they do wear a helmet? Sometimes you get a little bit of confidence with a big helmet on. You know, it's the same. Who did I have this conversation with? Uh, oh, yeah, it was with Bill Yearwood two days ago. And we were talking about, you know, um, tablets and apps. Uh, with terrain awareness and we always know exactly where we are and are we taking more risks in our flying now that we have these tools that we didn't have before because we have more information so we feel more more comfortable i mean the airplanes haven't changed how they fly but the tools and the gear we have maybe make us uh do things or enable us to do things that we didn't do before now a helmet shouldn't enable you to do anything that you didn't do before right it's a last resort like keep your skull in one piece type of type of thing. Um, but it is psychological. I mean, it sounds kind of, you know, new age, cushy, whatever. But when I'm flying with my helmet, I feel like I feel safer. I, I don't feel braver. It's almost like a, a, a reminder strapped to my head to not do stupid shit. Yeah. Right. I don't want to have to use this. I don't want to scratch on my helmet because I did something stupid, but but it does make me feel more comfortable. It, it, it's like a, a, you know, it's my warm, my warm, hard blankie on top of my head. Just like when I wear my PFD flying over water. Um, right. It, it's part I, of your, part of your system of safety that you have developed. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's one a, it's item. A, it's, it's a, it's one item. It's, it's not, you know, is it going to save your life? I hope so. It might, but you know, what's going to save your life more is knowing how to fly your airplane. Right. Wearing a helmet isn't going to make you a better pilot and wearing a helmet isn't going to make up for your lack of pilot ability either. No. Right. You can't be like, oh, well, I'm not that great, but I wear a helmet. So it's okay. It's like, yeah, that works on a bicycle or a skateboard. Like I suck at skateboarding. So, but if I wear a helmet and, and wrist guards and knee pads and elbow pads, it's okay if I suck because whatever, I'm not going to get hurt that bad. Flying's different. So yeah, I, it's. Did Kevin or Steve have any good ideas on what you tell passengers when you load them up, but you strap a helmet on? Um, not really. It was ba- Kevin basically said, you got to think about why you're doing that. Like, <laughs> um, if you've got a helmet and you're not handing your passengers one, is that the right thing to do? I mean, the one thing I thought about it is, you know, what I, what I might tell somebody is, look, I do this all the time, so my exposure is much higher. And, you know, this, this isn't necessarily about a plane crash. If we were to hit unexpected turbulence, you don't want me hitting my head and being knocked out. So this is allowing me to stay conscious and safe to get you back on the ground. I mean, that's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a BS reason, but I think it's something a passenger might buy. Well, it's the reason I'm happy the helicopter pilot is wearing one because I don't know how to fly a helicopter. So do you so. know, like, have, have you looked into this? Like, why do helicopter pilots wear helmets and like pretty much always have in every helicopter 
Yeah, I don't know. That's actually a good question. I might try and find somebody to talk to about this. Yeah, um, I, I would like to know what the background is on why they feel it's so necessary. Yeah, I'll ask. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, any other thoughts? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a personal decision, man. Yeah. Um, I don't think you should be judged for wearing one or not wearing one. I, I think it, at least in the backcountry world, it's becoming the new normal. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next three to five years, you would be in the mid minority if you were not wearing a helmet, doing any sort of off airport flying. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, like I, the for my first statement tonight was you could need it just as easily on a normal sightseeing flight off the end of the road. But, but that's been like that for a hundred years now. Yeah. It, right. It's, it, it's, I think it's about acceptance for sure at this point and like the cool factor like once people start making it cool like you said people will start adapting it like snowboarding and skiing like yeah i mean if you make it if you if you like it sounds so ridiculous but if you make it fashionable if you make it look like something that you'd want to wear um people people will wear it and you know what if it saves a couple lives great it's relatively cheap insurance yeah um the one the one i have um the reason why i picked it uh, wasn't necessarily for the looks or, or anything, but, um, what I liked about it is that it works with any headset. So I didn't have to buy another headset. Mm. So a lot of these, uh, helmets, you, you end up spending like a thousand or $1,200 on top of what the helmet actually costs for the built-in light speed or bows or whatever headset that's in the helmet. Yeah. Um, or whatever their manufactured headset is. And I already had four headsets. I didn't really want to shell out another thousand dollars for a headset that's built into a helmet. So yeah. the, the one that I went with, it's really cool. It's got like the cutouts around the ears and it's got a channel inside. So I don't even have to deconstruct my headsets. Like some of them you Excellent. have to kind of take your factory headset apart and like attach it to the helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, with mine, I literally just, I put on my headset and then I put the helmet on over the headset and it fits. And, and the cool thing is, is, not that you should be taking the helmet off, but let's say we're going to be flying an hour and a half, like in cruise to go play somewhere. I can just have my headset on. And then, you know, when we're getting towards our destination or where I think maybe we're entering a, a higher exposure environment, if you will, I can just grab my helmet, put it on over my headset, do up the chin strap and we're done. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. And Jeremy, Jeremy talks about, um, in his chat with Steve, he says, even if you wear a motorcycle helmet and have a clarity loft headset or something in it, that works too. So it doesn't have to be these really fancy fighter jet helmets. You can, you can make something work if you feel like you need one. Totally. Like I was doing a little bit of just looking at helmets tonight, just for fun ahead of our conversation. And I mean, that tech era one's badass. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, that's sick. Um, you know, and bonehead composites make some great ones. Uh, mine's a Praetor. P-R-A-E-T-O-R flying helmet. And they're actually, um, they're custom made to order uh, by a gentleman in Israel. So actually you send him the measurements of your head and he makes the helmet and you can customize the color and all that. And mine was under a thousand bucks. Custom made, works with any headset. Um, And then the other one that's really interesting is the Sky Sky Cowboys headset or uh, helmet, sorry. Yeah. And that's basically built around like a search and rescue type helmet that like GSAR people would wear. Yeah. And he's, you know, you can get a visor for it. But the thing with that one, um, it actually, and it actually looks pretty cool. It's kind of like a hybrid between like I'm backcountry skiing, but I'm flying. 
yeah. and it looks super lightweight. It looks really breathable. Um, but you have to disassemble an existing headset and basically attach it to the helmet. So you are sacrificing a headset, if you will. Right. But you know what? Maybe, yeah. maybe if my headset was built into the helmet, I might actually wear it more too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know what, like you, I mean, you, you fly your 172 or I'm going to, I know it's your podcast, but I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, just flip it around. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got your, your 172. I mean, you go land on Vargas beach with your 172 all the time. Mm-hmm. You, you do your flying, your photography. Um, is it something you would consider? I mean, you don't do really backcountry stuff aside from landing on the beach with your airplane, but is it something that is in the back of your mind that maybe you want to do? It's certainly something I'm thinking about. Certainly when I flew in the chipmunk, and some other planes, I was sitting there going, I wish I had a helmet in this because you hit anything relatively gently and your face is going to come pretty close to the dashboard and that thing. Um, so I, I, it, a helmet is certainly on my radar. Um, I don't know how much I would wear it in the 172 just because of the goofiness factor of stepping out of a 172 with a helmet on, but hopefully that changes. I hope that doesn't play a factor in the future. Yeah, it just becomes, you know, you become part of the part of the new normal. And then, and then yeah. you know what the thing is, is be the goofy guy that jumps out of the 172 in the helmet. And people are like, what the hell is this guy doing? And you could be like, why aren't you doing it? Yeah, I wear a helmet for everything, everything else. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, like, it, it's just one piece of, of the safety puzzle. I mean, look in my airplane. I feel like one day I'm going to, like, I get in the airplane and I have to decide what are the risk factors of today. Like, I've got... So it's kind of comical. Like you'd think I'm getting out of that airplane like a freaking paratrooper. Like the only <laughs> the only piece of safety equipment that I don't incorporate in my flying is a parachute. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I do not. I let me. One hundred percent say I do not own a parachute. So on my <laughs> on the seat sits the helmet. On the back of the seat hangs the PFD, and on a hook right behind my seat is my survival vest. Yeah. So it's like, what tools do we need today to make this as low risk as possible or to manage the risk that, that we can't control. And that's true. Like I, I wear a survival vest in the 172. And, so and if you get may- out at, ba- at boundary Bay after flying from Squamish, do you feel silly getting out of the plane with a survival vest? Not really. And if I'm putting it out down in the backcountry somewhere, cause I've lost an engine, that helmet might be useful. So, but I think, I think you're right. A few years time helmets will be pretty normal in flying. Yeah. And you know what? The cost will come down. Um, I mean, hopefully, hopefully yeah. they just become a normal part of our kit. Yeah. Um, One more piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. If we, if we voluntarily choose to do it, it's not something that will ever be regulated if we, if we said we're going to do it. So yeah. we might as well be in control of, of what, of what we do. And come on, like you pick the right one. They look pretty badass. So there you have it. What's your opinion? Do you wear a helmet? Have you been thinking about it? Has a helmet even saved your head in flight? And if you're a helicopter pilot, please chime in and let us know why helmets are a common sight in helicopters. As I said at the beginning, this is a start of a long discussion. You can contact me on Instagram or Facebook at Flying British Columbia. If you want to hear some more great videos and discussions about aviation, check out Flight Chops on YouTube if you haven't already and Ryan's Cardinal Aviation Audio Briefings on your favorite podcast channel. Thanks for tuning in, and fly safe. Flying BC is a project of Formula Photographic.